Well, here it is. We are back in the studio, the new studio. I, it literally smells of fresh paint, and I'm so glad that you are here with me. It's been too long. It's been a month. We're finally back, and I'm excited to get back into the life of David. I'm excited to talk about all the craziness that's happening in the world. The world's gone nuts, hasn't it? It's been one month, and it's like we all lost our minds, and there's so much to show you here in the Deep End Studio. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it. Uh, the best is yet to come for the Deep End. Welcome back. I'm so excited. This is the deep end. I am beloved, the man they call David, the son of a Jesse, the John that slay it, the heart full of king, three stones in a sling. I'm dancing my clothes off to the sound of the beat. Welcome to yes. the deep end with Tim Hatch. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, shout out to Derek D-Rock, Derek Boyd, who did that great opening, a new opening uh, for The Deep End. And also shout out to Michael McGarry, who helped me with this brand new studio. Uh, I can show you with these cameras a little bit of what it looks like here. Here's the up-close camera. Hi. Here's the camera up in the air. Hello. Here's the side angle. Hey, everybody. Deep End TV. Uh, shout out to my brother-in-law, Brad Geyser, who did this back here behind here. I want to just say thank you to people uh, that helped me put this together, did not put it all together myself. And thank you to Mark Pacheco, who put all the electrical stuff in here to make sure that we could power up the deep end and be back for you here March 16th. 2021. It is episode 16, kind of appropriate, of season four. And I am your humble host, uh, Pastor Tim Hatch. You can just call me Tim. Um, if you haven't already, please do this for me. Uh, like the video down below. Also, make sure you click that subscribe button uh, and then make sure that you click that notification bell to get updates as to when we are live. And if you haven't been watching the YouTube videos, uh, you got to go to youtube.com slash TV. A lot more roominess in the studio. I'm already feeling nice and roomy. Um, and so go to youtube.com slash TV. If you're not watching there, please do. Uh, welcome 99.5 uh, FM in Rhode Island. Welcome to Florida Radio. Welcome to uh, those in Tampa, new subscribers down here in Tampa. And a welcome to those of you who are longtime listeners, Facebook watchers, uh, Twitch Spotify, wherever you are. I'm just glad that you're here. Um, yeah, The Deep End is back and my book is finally out. So here we go. Cheap plug for the book. The book is finally available. It's called Move, Entering into God's Promises for You. Check it out on Amazon or go to timhatchlive.com slash books. That is available now, timhatchlive.com slash books. And you can pick it up uh, on Amazon. And if you have read it, please do me a favor and um, write me a review and make sure it's glowing. <laughs> the Lord only honors glowing reviews. So five stars. Let me know how the book helped you. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, contact messaging through all of our social media channels and whatnot. Uh, speaking of social media, if you follow us on social media, you can get a hand. You can get your hands on some new swag for the deep end. We got a new tumbler coming out with the beard. Uh, whatever you drink through that tumbler is better tasting because of the beard logo. The beard has been proven to uh, radically increase the flavor of your coffee your hot cocoa, uh, your cold beverage, and you will enjoy it to the maximum. Now, a <laughs> little bit of news about this. Uh, if you've been following the Deep on social media, you know during our break, we've been doing some fun contest uh, to give you a chance to earn some free Deep End merch. Well, I want to congratulate uh, Larissa and Eric, who are faithful Deep End watchers, who both won t-shirts. Uh, and shout out to a new viewer, Ryan, from Florida. So exciting. Hello, Ryan from Florida. You just won the uh, Deep End beanie. I didn't even know we had that, but we have a Deep End beanie. I don't know why a Floridian, Floridian would want 
a beanie, but you got a beanie. If you ever go north, it'll come in handy. Uh, and for everyone else, be sure to follow us on our social media pages, okay? Because that's how you're going to get Deep End merch for free, like the Deep End Tumblr that you just saw. Uh, I think it's worth it, right? Follow us on uh, Twitter. That's just at Deep End TV. Follow us on Instagram at the Deep End TV. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Slash, uh, that's just forward slash the deep end TV. Okay, that's that's enough. Okay, that's enough promoting all that's going on because I got so much that I want to talk to you about. Uh, the world has gone stinking nuts. And that brings me to your maybe your favorite segment, right? Deep end news. Let's go. Deep end news. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, the world's gone nuts. It, it has gone crazy. Uh, the reason why it's gone crazy is because we are hopped up on cancel culture. Um, now, I, I have yet to meet someone who thinks, you know, cancel culture, this is good. This is good for our world. Let's get rid of stuff. I haven't met anybody like that. Maybe you have, but I have not. Uh, so, you know, what's going to be canceled next? That's the question, right? Uh, Oklahoma, the musical. Uh, Mr. Potato Head has now been neutered. He is now Potato Head. The guy from the banjo player from Mumford and Sons uh, was about to get canceled and he quit the band because he liked a book that was written in critique of Antifa. That's his crime. He write, he liked a book that was critical of Antifa. And Antifa right now is burning down the city of Portland. And so he, to protect himself from being canceled, quit the band. What else do you expect from a banjo player? Anyway, uh, yeah, J.K. Rowling canceled. Uh, Dr. Seuss has been canceled. And of course, uh, Gina Carano, who played Laura Dune or Cara Dune on The Mandalorian has been canceled. This is getting nuts. This is getting crazy. Um, we are seeing people just outrage at stupid stuff. And this actually brings me to a new uh, little thing here on the deep end. <laughs> I wanted to show you something. I, I'm really excited about this. This is the um, the shelf of shame. Are you ready? The shelf of shame right here. I'm going to start putting things on the shelf of shame. Uh, it's behind me already, but there's an up close shot of it that the world is canceled. So right there, two books, the foot book from Dr. Seuss and Horton Hears a Who. Uh, those are not canceled, but who knows, maybe tomorrow they will be canceled. Um, so that's the shelf of shame. And we're going to continue to put stuff up there. Who knows? Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head might make a uh, an appearance on there pretty soon. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really glad that uh, I can poke fun at this because it's nuts. It's ridiculous. And it is getting, it is getting childish. You know, uh, this is why it drives me nuts as a pastor, because the people that should be getting canceled are not, and the people that should not be getting canceled are. I want to introduce you to uh, the the the, the uh, arrest and imprisonment, the jailing of a gospel-preaching pastor in Edmonton, Canada. A gospel-preaching pastor in Edmonton, Canada. His name is James Coates, okay? He is going to remain in jail for... Uh, the next, what, two and a half months until May 3rd and 5th um, for opening his church during the COVID lockdowns. He opened his church in opposition to the uh, regulations from the government in Edmonton, Canada. He refused to back down. He knows that the church must gather and uh, they were trying to limit his seating capacity to 15%, which I think would like seat 30 people. No, I'm sorry, would seat like three people in his sanctuary. It's not a very big church. Uh, everybody had to wear masks, including those on the stage. So he just said, you know what? No, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna open a church wide open in spite of these restrictions. Uh, these are not laws, these are mandates and they are not 
supposed to be uh, held to this extent uh, of, of uh, you know, detriment to our freedoms. And he's in prison now. And he's in solitary confinement. He's in solitary confinement, friends, because he opened his church. Opened his church in solitary. Now he's in solitary confinement. <laughs> this is, this is kind of crazy if, if you ask me. And I, I just, I, I wonder when is the madness going to stop? Don't you? I do. I just wonder when the madness is going to stop. You say, well, that's Edmonton and they have the right to jail who they want. Okay, I understand. But in that same police district, they just released a child sex offender. A child sex offender was just released into the public. And the police of this Edmonton police district say they have reasonable grounds to believe he will offend again. His name is Kyle Larson. And he's a convicted rapist of a child. He's 29 years old. They just let him out. The same, the same police department that has a Grace Life Church pastor, James Coates, in jail has released a child sex offender who they know or think will offend again. You say, well, thank God I'm not in Canada. Okay. Just be patient, Ford Americans. Just be patient because it's coming to America. It's coming to America. Uh, let's take a look at this. This is uh, news out of Portland. The feds uh, quietly dismiss dozen, dozens of Portland protest cases. Uh, this news uh, site, KGW8 in Portland, looks like their NBC affiliate found that 31 out of 90 protest cases have been dismissed by the U.S. Department of Justice, despite warnings there would be consequences for acts of violence. And uh, basically what they're doing is all the people that are burning stuff down in the city of Portland, uh, they're just letting them go now. They're just they're just willing, letting them go. So one of the charges actually that was dismissed was very serious. It included uh, four defendants who were charged with assaulting a federal officer. This is a felony. And they just they just dismissed the case. Why? Because social justice. Because they're marching for what? They're not even marching for Black Lives Matter. They're just marching because they're mad at the world. They just want to cause problems. And this is this is the world that we live in right now. This is the growing increase of chaos in the world. The the devil is the god of chaos. The devil is the god of this world. He he lives off chaos. He loves chaos. He wants to destroy order because God is a god of order and the devil hates that order. Remember the scripture says that uh, at the creation, the earth was formless and void without order. Well, who had been cast down to earth from heaven before that happened? The, the, the devil. And so the devil is the one who is the God of chaos. He loves division. He loves um, destruction. He loves disorder. Division, destruction, disorder. And so what we have in our culture, in the Western culture anyway, is an increased division we have an increase in destruction and we have an increase in disorder. Uh, police are no longer honored and revered and respected. Now they are called to the carpet for, uh, and lumped all, all lumped into one, you know, and they're all considered for, for a small segment of the society. They're all considered pigs. They're all considered criminals. They, they're uh, calls to defund them. This is say Satan's this is Satan's wheelhouse. He's happy about this. He's loving this. Yes, defund the police. Disorder. Uh, disorder in the family. Uh, divorce rates skyrocketing. Uh, disorder in what is a family? Male and male now are married couples. Female and female are now married couples. And now we can change our gender. Disorder of the human body, right? Uh, division of male and female. Men against women. Uh, division of races. Black against white. And, it's no, and, and remember, there's only one race. We're talking about ethnicities. So black against white. Asian against black, whatever, you know, the, the division, the disorder, the destruction is 
coming to our shores, ladies and gentlemen, in increasing measure. And the church, the church should be standing up together and saying, you know what? We need to stand up for our brothers. We might have disagreements about some doctrines that that are not essential to salvation, but I will stand up for you for your right to practice your faith. And I want that in this country, not just for Christians, but for all religions, actually. And and, and instead, what we get is people like Andy Stanley, who is driving me nuts. And I, I, I can't understand this, but he says he's embarrassed by Christian churches that's, that sparred with government over COVID lockdowns. He, he's embarrassed by Christians who, who sparred with government over COVID lockdowns. And I, I get what he's saying. We missed an, a, a great opportunity, he says, to try new things, to experiment with new things because we couldn't do the old things. And instead of focusing on what we could do, we... Instead of focusing on what we can't do, we should have been 100% focused on what we can do in the COVID restriction uh, season. And I agree that there there is, for many Christians, too much of a beholdenness to just go to church. You know, that's not all we do. We minister to one another. We worship. We uh, disciple one another. We serve the community. We serve our neighbors. We serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. So yes, there's some. the, the church is much more than gathering in a building. But when the government... Uh, shuts us down and shuts down gatherings and never gives the okay. And uh, uh, like in the case of Edmonton, Canada, you know, somebody's going to take a stand and there's, thank God, men who will. But why don't we not attack each other? Why don't we support each other? Why don't we fight for each other instead of doing this nonsense where we're against each other? It just seems like the days of Jeremiah, ladies and gentlemen. The God of disorder, destruction, and uh, what did I call it? Disorder, destruction, and division. The God of disorder, destruction, division is ramping up his game. You know, he's the devil has brought his A game. The devil has brought his A game. He's not messing around. He, he's working doubly hard now more than ever before. And, and we're sitting here arguing with each other instead of saying, let me support my brother. I don't think... Our church should open, but I'm not going to come public and say I'm embarrassed by other churches that do it differently, that that disagree with government restrictions. And I don't disagree with what Andy Stanley's doing. I'm not here to criticize what he's doing. He has his church, and he should do what he's doing. I had my, I have my church, and we did what we did. We opened up as soon as we could, and we followed the guidelines. And by God's grace, Governor Baker in Massachusetts did a wonderful thing for the church to open it up very quickly, May 24th. And by the way, we've been open every weekend since May 24th. We never shut down again. We never closed our doors again. Not one instance of a COVID-19 case from our gatherings. God has protected us. God has shielded us. It has been an amazing blessing. And again, I am not denying that COVID-19 is real. Please do not send me an email. Please do not put a comment down that you don't like the fact that I think COVID-19 is not real. I think it's real. I think that we should have we should have done something to mitigate the spread. Um, the, the, the jury is still out there about lockdowns, about how effective they were, but I think we should have done something and and so be it. And I think that if you're in those, those risky categories of, uh, you know, you know, health, you have to take care of you. And I'm not here to criticize that, but I am here to say that there is a God of disorder, division and destruction who has been lying and, and coming in like a lion and roaring and seeking whom he may devour. And too many churches have just tucked tailed and run and too many pastors are attacking each other instead of supporting each other because the devil, (laughs) he's doing his work. And we've got to be aware of it. In the Old Testament, as destruction and disorder and division were coming for the people of Israel, there was a guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the last prophet of God before the destruction of Jerusalem. 
and the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar is breathing down the throats of the, of the men of Israel in Judah. And he is telling them surrender. And the king on the throne is saying, no, peace and safety, peace and safety. Everything's going to be good. And it wasn't good. The only guy saying the truth, the only guy saying, hey, the God of this world is out to get us. Nebuchadnezzar is coming in was Jeremiah. You know what they did to Jeremiah? They threw him in a pit. They locked him up. They said he was a nutcase and they rejected his message. Guess what? Uh, 2,000 years later. No, I'm sorry. 2,800 years later. Jeremiah is right here in the Bible. God justified his prophet. God justified the message of Jeremiah. And there was many prophets in Jeremiah's day who were saying, nah, good things are gonna happen. Nothing to worry about. As the nation descended more and more into disorder, disunity, and destruction. As the nation followed the ways of this world and the, and the pagan ways of, of the four nations around them. And the prophets were sitting there saying, nothing's gonna happen, nothing's gonna happen. And there's Jeremiah saying, something's gonna happen. You can't see it? Can you not see this? This is what I see in our country. This is what I see in Western civilization. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, there's a nation called China, and they're about to eat our lunch. They're about to eat our lunch. This is what's happening in China right now. This is from NBC News. China proposes teaching masculinity to boys as state is alarmed by changing gender roles. And basically, the article says that they are worried about the feminization of Chinese boys because of pop culture, because of the influence of the West. So they're starting to teach boys how to be men in China. This is from the New York Times, a masculinity crisis. China says the boys are not all right. And they said the education ministry plans to beef up gym classes after a top official said female teachers and pop culture had made boys weak, inferior, and timid. timid. This is what China's doing. <laughs> this is what China's doing. They're trying to make men, uh, boys become men. And by the way, I'm for that, by the way. I'm for that. Act like men is in the Bible. That's in 1 Corinthians. Act like it's 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 the demasculinity of men that is a national crisis. This is what China's doing. Here's what America's doing. <laughs> a Mr. No More. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head goes gender neutral. Yay, America. Woo! You really stuck it. You really stuck it to the to the problem right there. You really took that head on. <laughs> Meanwhile. This is what's happening in our in our military. The military is confessing that there's a problem with how we stack up against China. This is from Yahoo News. The title of the article: "We're going to lose fast." That's a quote from U.S. Air Force from a U.S. Air Force official. They held a war game that started with a Chinese biological attack. They simulate this war. Uh, this is a ten years in the future, and the article basically stipulates that America's army, America's defense, is not ready for this. China could, in ten years, overrun our country. Here's, here's a headline, a uh, uh, quote from the article, from the article in, in Yahoo News. Quote, what many Americans don't realize is that years of classified Pentagon war games strongly suggest that the U.S. military would lose that war. And by the way, U.S.-Chinese relations are the worst since Tiananmen Square in 1989. And, and communist leaders are starting to prepare for war for the United States. This is where the West has gotten with the madness of cancel culture, with the madness of saying that this guy is a problem, Dr. Seuss, with the madness of saying there are no more genders. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not there are no more. There are a hundred genders. This is the madness of same-sex marriage. This is the madness of Grammy Awards uh, ceremonies, which I don't know if you watch, I didn't watch, which were filled with filth from what I could see on the news that I read. I don't, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them my ratings, but this is where, this is where the West is headed down the proverbial toilet 
while China is actually trying to accomplish things. China is, China is trying to make their boys men and they're trying to build a civilization. <laughs> so I'm on, I'm on this stuff and I'm filling all this stuff out and I'm putting this content together for the deep end and somebody sends me a link to a video on YouTube by Bill Maher. Uh, you got to go and check this video out. It's in the links in the description. I, wa I want you to watch this video. It's, it's actually stunning. Bill Maher, by the way, is an atheist. I agree with him about very little, but I agree with him about a lot of things that he says in this video. The, the title of the uh, video is New Rule Losing to China, Real Time with Bill Maher. Check it out. And he goes down a list of the ways in which the Chinese government is really eating our lunch. First off, they're not offended by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> the only book that China ever banned by Dr. Seuss was Green Eggs and Ham because it portrayed Marxism wrong <laughs> or something like that. They're not worried about the racist overtones of Dr. Seuss. And this is the, the argument that Bill Maher makes in that, in that video. Please watch it. It's stunningly accurate. I had my assistant fact check it. He, saw, he talks about in two generations, China has built 500 cities in two generations from scratch. 700 million of its residents have moved from the agrarian lifestyle to the urban lifestyle in two generations. He talks about the fact that... Um, uh, they uh, cornered the market on 5G. They're eating our lunch in terms of 5G development. Meanwhile, we've got nutcases in America saying 5G is the way the government's spying on us. I mean, this is nuts. This is nuts. Instead of advancement, we're worried about we're worried about conspiracy theories. Instead of seeing the real problem, we're worried about we're worried about Dr. Seuss and 5G making maybe stealing our brainwaves. And if you're a deep ender and that offends you, man, you gotta get a grip. He talks about how they've cornered the market on pharmaceuticals. They've cornered the market on uh, African development. They actually bought Africa. This is true. They're urbanizing Africa at an astounding rate. And, 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 and Africa is going to be beholden to China before we know it. Uh, he talks about the fact that they made robots. This is really cool. They made robots to check the temperature of their kids so that they could go back to school. Meanwhile, we got our kids pretending to be on Zoom lessons and watching TikTok videos, which is true, by the way. You're at home and you're see, seeing your kid watch these Zoom videos and the kid's not watching the teacher. He's doing TikTok videos. This has been proven time and time again. I encourage you, please go watch that video after the deep end is concluded. Please, 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 please. But it reminds me of Jeremiah. Here's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 23, 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord, not from the mouth of the Lord. What were they doing? They were filling the people with their with vain hopes. They say, continue to, to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Man, that is American Christianity right now. That is American Christianity. Oh, don't worry. God loves you. God's good. God's going to bless you. But, but you're, not, you're, you're not obeying the Lord's word. And they're saying this to pay. There's a lot of Christian pastors. They're saying this to pagans. They're on television saying this, saying God's going to bless your socks off to pagans who despise the word of the Lord. We are living in the times of Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar, not Nebuchadnezzar, China's breathing down our neck. The Lord could very well use China to judge this country. Could very well do that. We might be, we might be headed there. Going on in that passage with, with Jeremiah 23, verse 18, it says, For who among them, he's talking about the false prophets, who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? In other words, they're not listening to my word. They're just saying what people want to hear. 
Verse 19, Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, it will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. And then he says this last line, In the latter days, mm, in the latter days, you will understand it clearly. And I, I just think that's exactly where we are as a culture right now. We, we are potentially in serious trouble. America, Canada, Britain, Europe, the West. <laughs> because we are obsessed with canceling those who shouldn't be canceled and not canceling those who should be canceled. I'm talking about you, Cardi B. I mean, Sarah, this, we are celebrating the degradation of morality and order in this country, in the cultural West, while we destroy the foundations that brought us that order. Do you understand? The, there's no turning back for the world. And I don't expect the world to get it together. I don't. The church has got to get it together. We've got to pray for revival. We've got to ask God to send his spirit into our churches. We've got to ask God to, to bring us back to himself, to repent and turn to him. And as Christians, we've got to stop fighting each other on Facebook. We've got to start, stop, fight, stop attacking each other. Stop going from church to church because you want the church that fits your needs. How about being the church? How about serving the purposes of God? How about instead of wondering what the church can do for you, you start giving and doing something for the church? If, it, if, not, if the church doesn't step up, the culture will be destroyed and deteriorate into disorder, division, and destruction. Jesus said, we, we Christians are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt keeps meat from spoiling, from deteriorating. Light lets people know where, where the truth is. I, 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 I need us to be the church again. The Lord needs us to be the church again. To hunger for him, to hunger for his word, even when it hurts, to let him speak to us. There's too much consumer Christianity out there. It's destroying us. It's destroying us. Anyway, uh, I could go on about this forever, uh, for a long time, for the whole episode. That's the deep end news, the news you'd choose if you could choose news. Uh, with that in mind, it's time to move on from this segment and head into, what are we heading into? We're heading into the life of David. Okay, the title of today's talk from the scriptures is, I feel like a weak Christian. I feel like a weak Christian. Maybe all that I said has overwhelmed you from the news and you're thinking, Pastor, I want to give up. <laughs> uh, don't give up um, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't want to end and I don't want to talk all deep end episode long about how bad things are. I want to talk to you about the reality of the human condition, the reality that we're all in this together, and the reality that there is hope, even for those who feel weak. So we've been going through the life of David, and now, guess what? Second Samuel, he is finally anointed king of Israel. First of the southern tribes in Judah and Benjamin, and then by the time we get to chapter four, he's anointed king of the whole nation. And 
he's kind of arrived. Like, you know, this guy has been hunted for 13 years by Saul. He's been hiding in caves. He's been hiding among the Philistines. And now he's king. And you would think problem's over. No. What we're going to see is that his new position as king has presented him with a new set of struggles. Why does this matter for you? Let's bring it home. I say, I have been saying this from the beginning of our study in the life of David, that David is a picture of Jesus. Saul is a picture of our old self, the God of this world, who we followed, Ephesians chapter 2. And when we come to Christ, it's like David becoming king. It's, 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 we accept the son of David, Jesus Christ, into our hearts, into our lives. We surrender to him. He's king. But just because we got saved doesn't mean our problems go away. Just because Jesus is king, it doesn't mean problems are gone. It means we have a whole new set of new problems. We, we just picked up some new enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. The world, the flesh, the devil. We used to be good with what we were doing. Now we're against it. Now, now it's counter to who we are, Right? Well, that's where we are in the life of David in 2 Samuel chapter 3. He is now king. He has come in. He has now been anointed king, but there's a whole new set of problems. And there's a passage, and I want to put it up here. It's the last passage of the chapter, 2 Samuel 3. It's a powerful phrase. Here's what David actually says at the end of this chapter. He says, quote, and today, this is verse 39, and today, though I am the anointed king, I am weak. I am what? I am weak. Though I am the anointed king, huh, I am weak. And these sons of Zariah are too strong for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil deeds. This is what David says at the end of this chapter. Why? Well, we're going to look at the chapter and we're going to find out. It's a lot of reading. I'm sorry about that. Actually, I'm not sorry about that. We're supposed to give ourselves to the reading and teaching of God's word. I'm not sorry for that at all. I'm sorry. Sorry for saying sorry. Anyway, uh, David is king and he feels weak. There's an old adage. and it's a, it's a preaching adage. At every level, there's another devil. At every level in your life, there's another devil. Just because you got saved doesn't mean problems are going to go away. You just got You just got a whole new set of problems. Just because Jesus came in doesn't mean all is going to be well and no problems will befall you. Nope. You're going to have to learn to be strong through the strength that God gives. Young Christians, it's okay to feel weak. Hey, older Christians, in a new season, it's okay to feel weak. There's different levels. There's different seasons of life. You got you get used to one season and then you're not good at that one anymore because and then you go into a new season and you're not good at it because you were so used to the tool set that were that were required in your previous season. That's where David is. But again, it's the picture that Jesus has come into their life. He is now Lord, but there's a long way to go. So let's get into the text, shall we? First, uh, Second Samuel three one it says this: There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. I remember last time I said that this is a picture of the Christian life. This is the picture of the Christian life, that we are at war. We are at war with the flesh. We are at war with the devil. We are at war with the world. But mostly it's the war is inside, the war within, the battle within. That was last month. Sorry for the long break, but that was last month, the battle within. And uh, here's how Paul talks about that. Galatians chapter 5, 17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's a battle inside you. But the hope here again is that the, that David grew stronger 
Okay, so David represents new life in Christ and Saul represents our old life in the flesh. The, the promise here, the hope here of this passage is, this is how we interpret this passage for us. We're not called to be like David. We're called to look to our true and better David. The, the hope for us is that the, the, the Lord will get stronger in our lives and the flesh will, will become weaker in our lives. Now, 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 here's the question. Every Christian wants to see their lives grow stronger. The question is, how do we get there? Okay, Jesus is Lord. Okay, I want to develop. I want to get stronger. But if I was to be real honest, I don't think I can. I got problems that I can't overcome. I got sin habits that I cannot stop. I got people that frustrate me and make me swear and curse. I got people that that uh, that drive me nuts. I don't know how to deal with them. I got pro- I got financial problems. I got relational problems. I got issues that I didn't have before. And sometimes we want to kind of tuck tail and run. We're going to go back to the old ways, the old life. Just like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they had new problems like hunger and thirst and wandering and they didn't know where they were going to go, where they were going to be when they were ever going to get to the promised land. And they had to learn how to be wanderers instead of slaves. And then once they had to, then they had to move on from being wanderers and become warriors. But while they were in that wandering stage, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And there's a lot of Christians, young Christians, they want to go back to their old ways. And and it's not going to work. You've been saved out of Egypt. You can't go back. So, so how do we get there? Let's look at some things that happen in David's life that kind of make him weak. And these are the things that are going to make you weak. Let's look at it. Here's what it says in verse 2. And sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam of Jezreel. And his second was Chileab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And the third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. And the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Habital. And the sixth, Ithream of Igla, David's wife. These were born to him. These were born to David and Hebron. Okay, how many wives? Ahinoam, Abigail, Maacah, Haggith, uh, Abital, and Egla. I count one, two, three, four, five, six wives and a bunch of sons. I don't want to take time doing that, <laughs> counting those out. What is David doing? What is David doing? Uh, he is doing what ancient kings did. When you became a king, you married a bunch of women or you sired a bunch of children to establish a royal kind of, you know, enterprise through your sons. Your sons are supposed to be loyal to you because they were your sons. And David, in this moment, in his new stage of life, being anointed king, is following the ways of the ancient kings. And this is counter, exactly counter to what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 17 about the kings of Israel. Um, it's It talks about this, that the king must not uh, acquire many wives for himself, Deuteronomy 17, 17, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire himself excess silver and gold. So David is not listening to this. He's following the ways of the world and it's going to make him weak. It's going to make him weak. This is how Christians get weak. When you listen to the ways of the world instead of the ways of God. So re- regarding sexuality, listen to the ways of the world or listen to the ways of God. Regarding money, listen to the ways of the world or listen to the ways of God. Regarding relationships, listen to the ways of the world or listen to the ways of God. Are you forgiving or are you holding grudges and resentment? Are you giving or are you trying to get, 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 get? Are you uh, staying pure and, and marrying and waiting for God to bring you the right person or even just pursuing the right person of the opposite sex? who loves the Lord, uh, or are you just, you know, hooking up and following the Tinder culture? See, you've got a choice. 
just like David did. Follow the ways of the world or follow the ways of God. And I want you to know that these sons of David, they are exceedingly grief, griefful for him. <laughs> they, prov- they, they provide him an extraordinary amount of grief later in life. Uh, Richard Phillips writes about this in uh, a commentary I read. He says, at the, at the head of this list is Amnon, who raped his half-sister Tamar and was murdered by his brother Absalom. Uh, Chileab, David's second son, does not figure into future accounts, which suggests that he may have died w- when he was young. The third son, Absalom, not only murdered his half-brother Amnon, but went on to commit treason against David, dividing the kingdom into civil war. Adonijah, the fourth son, bided his time until the end of David's life when he opposed his father's will by staging a coup against the de- designated survivor Solomon. In this tragic history of national familial division, we see the judgment of God on the grievous wickedness of David's multiplying wives. You understand what he's saying there? That David did what he thought was right, because the world, the kings around him were doing it in the ancient world, instead of what God said was right in Deuteronomy and the law of God, and it didn't, it didn't hurt him initially. It hurt him long over the long haul in his life. So we see the seeds of his own destruction here in the early part of his reign when he starts following the ways of the world. And the scripture says this. The scripture talks about this very clearly in Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to you, but the end is death. In other words, that seems right. Why? Because you are of the world. Because you've been in the world your whole life, and it seems right, but Scripture says at the end is death. Here's the truth that I want to like point out for you. See, we cannot see the consequences of our old, of our disobedience today. That's why we must learn to trust God in our be, in our obedience today. So, we, when God says something, He says it for your good. When God says, "Don't follow the ways of the world anymore," He says it for your good because those ways lead to destruction, and you got to learn to obey God now. So they'll go with, well with you later. You disobey God now. It will not go well with you later. And that's where faith comes in. See, faith says God will see the consequences. He understands what disobedience does. So therefore, I'm going to do what he says today. And it's going to go well with you in the long run. David starts to follow the ways of the world. It makes him weak. Going on in the text. Verse 6. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now, Abner was Saul's right-hand man, and now he is is Ishbosheth's right hand man, and he's the one that made Ishbosheth king. But he takes this power to an extreme. Look what it says, in verse seven. Now Saul had the concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, "Why have you gone into my father's concubine?" By the way, that was the same as usurping the throne when you slept with the king's concubines. And Abner was very angry of the words of Ishbosheth and said, "Am I a dog's head of Judah?" And he goes on, he says, I've been showing you steadfast love and I've been supporting you against David and you charge me with a fault concerning a woman. And, and then he's mad at Ishbosheth and he's basically ready to just turn on Ishbosheth immediately. And Ishbosheth knows he's overstepped here and Abner's ticked and it's going to cost him. It's going to cost him dearly in the long run because Abner is going to defect to David. I'm skipping ahead now. Verse 12, and Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf saying, to whom does this land belong? Make your covenant with me and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all over Israel, to bring over all Israel to you. See what's happening? Abner and Ishbosheth are having a fight. So Abner says, you know what? Enough. I've supported you. I made you king. I did what you, I did what your father would have wanted. And now I'm, I'm defecting. And all I get is, all I get is grief from you. I'm, I'm defecting. So now Abner comes to David and David He's doing what kings in the ancient world do, okay? As Abner reaches out to David, says, hey, I'm with you now. <laughs> look, look what David says. Verse 13, good, I'll make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, that is you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. Remember her? 
She was the wife. She was David's first wife whom Saul gave to her. But Saul took her and gave her to another man to kind of spite and hurt David. And so she's been gone for all this time. And David says, you want to see my face? You want to be on my side? Bring Michal back. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife, Michal, for whom I paid the broader price of a hundred foreskins of Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, Paltiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping after her all the way to Bahurim. Then Abner said to him, Go return. And he returned. And the text goes on. Abner conferred with the elders of Israel. I'm just going to kind of scan this for you guys. It's not going to be on the screen. But it says this, For some time past you was seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about for the Lord's promise. David saying, By the hand of my servant David, I'll save the people of Israel from the hand of Philistines. Basically, Abner works all this out. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make sure that you get your wife back. I'm going to make sure that your kingdom is established. So this is this is a good thing for David. Uh, nothing, nothing inherently wrong here, except the fact that he's using, again, women as possessions. And let me just acknowledge that it is National Women's History Month, which whatever that means. But <laughs> when we talk about the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, oh, by the way, I don't mean to make a joke of that. We do honor women. I thank God for the women in my life, my wife, my mother. Uh, I have an assistant who does a lot of work for this podcast, and she's a fantastic support to me. And all these women in my life couldn't do this without them. But when we read the Old Testament, we see how wrongly the men, the here of the Old Testament, treated women. They treated them like chattel. They treated them like possessions. And this is not to say that the Bible is pro that. The Bible is saying, yeah, that's how you should treat women. No, the Bible is showing us that this is the human condition. This is the heart of man. It's evil, it's corrupt, and we don't treat each other right. And David is going to pay for all this in the long run. He's going to pay for this dearly. And so we've got to learn to honor one another and thank God for the women in our life. And so in honor of National Women's History Month, I say thank God for the women in my life, the godly women in my life all over the place. Thank God for them. But nonetheless... Here's uh, David treating women as chattel, trying to establish his kingdom by treating them as chattel. And it's just, it's just ugly. It's just ugly. It doesn't make him strong. It makes him weak. All right, let's go on. Verse 20. Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron. David made a feast for Abner and the men were with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord, the king, that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Verse 22. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner, uh, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has let him go, and he has gone in peace. Now, this is not going to be pretty for Joab. This is not going to be pretty for Joab. He is going to be really ticked at this. Because why? Because remember, we talked about this, if you can remember from a month ago, Abner killed Asahel, Joab's brother. Remember that? So there's some, there's some vengeance in Joab's heart, and that's what happens here uh, in verse 24. Then Joab went to the king and said, what have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he's gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you to know where you're going in and going out. Uh, by the way, that's a euphemism for war plans, uh, going out and coming in. That's a euphemism for uh, making war. And he says, and to know all that you were doing. In other words, he's a spy. You can't trust him. Now, Joab is talking to King David with utter disrespect here. All the commentaries that I read, it's just utter disrespect. The Hebrew is very strong. And he's just basically, basically just, you know, not, not serving well under the king. All right, we got to go on. Verse 26, when Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah. But David did not know about it. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately, and there he struck him in the stomach, killed him. 
so that he died for the blood of Asahel's brother. It's revenge on Joab's heart. It's revenge. And uh, this is a guy who is on David's side. You know, and Joab is basically usurping uh, David's authority here big time because he is more concerned with his own uh, scores being settled than he is with serving the king well. And um, he kills a man in cold blood. That, that, that's what I want you to say. He, this, is, this is David's right-hand man, Joab. He kills a man in cold blood. What would David do in this moment? Well, he should execute just, justice uh, for Abner. He should execute Joab. He should, uh, you know, the law calls for that. A man sheds blood by his own blood shall he, uh, he his, his own blood shall be shed. Let's like take a look at what happens, what happens when David hears about this. Verse 28, afterward, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house and may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or is leprous, leprous or is a sprint, uh, spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put his, their brother Asahel, Asahel to death in the battle of Gibeon. Man, all these names driving me nuts. <laughs> it's hard, hard to get through all this stuff, but nonetheless. So you see what David does here? He totally kind of like abdicates his role as king. The king is supposed to bring about justice and righteousness. The king is supposed to uphold the law of God, and he doesn't. He basically just says, hey, God, please take care of this for me. You know, God, you know, it's not my problem. This is this Joab's problem. He, he's not, he, may he forever be cursed and I'm guiltless. I mean, this is not a righteous king at this moment. This is not good. David is weak. He's getting weak because he's been following the ways of the world. Now he can't be strong in the ways of God. This is the problem with compromise in our lives. We compromise, we follow the ways of the world. We don't get strong in God. And then when life really matters, we're not strong in that moment. Going on in the text, Verse 31, then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. So he does something well, well here. He calls for a funeral for Abner. And King David followed the buyer and they buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner saying, should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Verse 35, then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while he was yet day. And David said, no, God do to me and more so also if I taste bread or anything else until the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it and pleased them and as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put Abner to death, the son of Ner, uh, to put to death Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, verse 38, do you not know that a prince, a great man has fallen this day in Israel? In verse 39, and I was gentle, but the word here is better translated, and I was weak. I'm weak today. Though anointed king, these men, these, these sons of Zariah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his weakness. I'm weak, David says. He's newly anointed king, and he's weak. Christian, if you are, especially if you're a new Christian, or, or if you're a longtime Christian, and you're in a new season, and you feel weak, it's okay. I want to let you know that. It's okay. And sometimes we're going to compromise and, and, and that's not okay, but we are going to just like David, because we're all, we're all human and we're sinners. But, but what do we do? What do we do to grow 
to grow stronger in those moments where we are weak. I think there's a couple things that we've got to understand, the, the temptations that we face in the moment. I want, to, I want to go through them here, the struggles of Christian growth. See, there's that temptation that David faced to do what the world would do in order to establish our lives, right? That's David's multiple wives and sons. So, so first thing is you've got to avoid the temptation to follow the ways of the world in this stage, whatever it is, whatever stage of life you're in. There's the world's way, there's God's way. There's what the script, there's what the, the culture says and there's what Christ says. And, and I'm telling you, you're going to face this temptation at every stage of your life. You've got to do what he says, even when people think you're crazy, people think you're nuts. Number two, there's the struggle to hold on to what we've acquired or been given in life. Like, like, like this is why David does these political maneuverings. I didn't even mention that one of the, one of the daughters that he married uh, it was the daughter of the king of Geshur. The Geshurites were a, a foreign nation, a Canaanite nation that the Israelites were supposed to drive out. And instead of driving them out, David is uniting in, in, in political union with them. And then what is he doing? He's trying to hold on to what he's been given. See, see I think the Christian life has to be has to look like this. Your hands are open. God, I'll, I'll take what you give me and I'll let go of what you take from me. And this is, the, this is the secret, I think, to Christian growth is to just have an openness to, hey, this is what God's bringing in. And this is what God's taking out. You know, there but for the grace of God go I. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, Job said. That, that we've got to learn how to hold loosely on to the things of this life. Or we're not going to grow. You might be obsessing over the season that you left and you're wondering, why can't I go back? You can't go back. It's over. You might be in a new season where you really enjoy it. You're like, I hope this never ends. It's going to end. That's life. By the way, that's why I wrote the book Move because life is a movement. It never stops moving and you're going to have to learn how to move with God. And so, you know, this is the struggle of Christian growth. And number three is a sense that we are ultimately too weak for all this. I'm weak and you're weak. David was weak for heaven's sakes and he was a mighty warrior who killed Goliath. So don't, don't beat yourself up here. I, I want to take you to the New Testament. To a guy that I consider the David of the New Testament. His name was the Apostle Paul. You know, I always talk about this guy because he's all over the New Testament. He's a mighty man of faith and he is exceedingly blessed. And he goes from stage to stage to stage he goes from level to level to level, and he experiences devil after devil after devil, right? He was, he was Saul of Tarshish, adamantly opposed to Christian faith, becomes Paul, the apostle. He goes to churches. Uh, he goes to cities. He plants churches. He's accepted in some. He's rejected in others. He's hated. He's vilified. He's stoned. He's whipped. He's chased out of town. At the same time, God keeps blessing him and promoting him and lifting him up, and there's a point in his life where he actually gets to visit heaven. I want you to think about that. He gets to visit heaven. What would that be like for you? Right? He talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, I don't know if it was in the flesh or in the spirit. I can't tell. I just know that I was in heaven, in the third heaven where God is. I heard things I can't tell you about. I saw things that are indescribable. And then he says, to keep me humble, to keep me humble. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Look what it says. So to keep me from being conceited, translation, to keep me humble. Because of the suppressing greatness of the revelations, a thorn 
was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Look at this. A thorn, a thorn was given me by who? Who gave me the thorn? <laughs> God. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said, my grace is sufficient. A couple things he said, and then he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Not because he believes in himself, but because he believes that God's power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. And that's true for you. That's true for you. Are you weak? Rejoice. God has brought you to a place where you're going to need to defend, depend on him more than ever. Maybe more than you have in a long time. You know, you got to thank God for those times that God brings you to your knees so that you, so that you don't th think that you've arrived. You cannot do this without him. Jesus said to the disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. But Paul the Apostle says in Philippians 4.13, through Christ I can do all things. Maybe you've just graduated high school or you're about to and you're just stressed about college. You feel weak? Rejoice. God's grace is going to come in, going to give you the strength. In weakness, his strength is made perfect. Are you starting a new job? Have you just gotten married? Have you just had a child? Ooh, I know about that. Those are some weak <laughs> weeks, right? Weak months, weak years. And God in life brings you to these places where though you have Jesus, though you have that anointing of the Holy Spirit, though you have been brought to another level, there's still another devil and you're going to need his strength. You're going to need his strength. So I got three things to give you from this. God's grace is enough. Number one, the grace of God's voice. He's going to speak to you if you listen. He's going to speak if you, if you get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. Read it. He'll speak to you. His grace is enough. He's going to speak to you in the, in the trouble. Number two, the grace of unanswered prayer. What? <laughs> yeah, sometimes God's not going to take it away. He's going to let you go through it. And you're going to be weakened by some measure of the world so that you rely not on your own strength, but on the Lord's. And I'm telling you, there is a place, it is a special place where you are dependent solely on God. And then number three, the grace of God's strength. It comes upon you when you stop struggling to keep our, your kingdom alive and well, and you surrender and you say, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory, O Lord. In our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. Don't follow the course of this world. You are no longer of this world and it will not work out for you anyway. Trust in Christ. Rely upon him. Get into his word. Listen to his voice. Let him speak to you. Let him strengthen you. It will happen for you. Amen. I hope that this episode in the new studio has been a blessing to you. Uh, I uh, hope that you uh, follow us on all of our social media accounts. 
TheDeepEnd.tv is our website. You can pick up free uh, merch by following us on our social media accounts. You can also pay for that cool, um, uh, what, is, what was it? A Tumblr. Yeah, you can pay for that cool Tumblr if you want to. $15 at TheDeepEnd.tv. That's coming soon. But follow us on social for a chance to win some free stuff. We would love to connect with you that way. It has been a pleasure to be back with you here on this show. I hope that you like and subscribe and hit the thumbs up. And please, if you would, give to the deep end. I can't believe I went the whole talk without talking about this. Make sure you give. Support the deep end. Uh, the deep end.tv slash give or the cash app. Uh, cash tag the deep end TV. Help us out. Help us pay for all the stuff we bought. <laughs> Other than that, I am so glad that you have been here and we will be here again next week on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. The Deep End is brought to you by listeners and viewers just like you. Consider giving today. Hey, if you don't have a home church, come and check us out at one of our campuses. Visit waterschurch.org and you can find a time and location that fits your schedule. Tune in next week for The Deep End with Tim Hatch.